Good morning, Haven Church, and it's a privilege to be with you this morning and to share this time of worship together. Most of you would be aware, I'm sure, that this week has been the um, annual week of prayer for our church um, across Australia, in fact, across the world. And hopefully some of you have had the opportunity to go through the readings, um, either the adult readings or the children's readings. There's some great um, articles and stories there for the kids as well. And you would know that they have centered around the messages of the three angels in Revelation chapter 14. The first angel um, is a message. Uh, the gospel goes to all of the world. It's a message about acknowledging God um, and his presence, uh, his creatorship. And then the second message is a message that um, Babylon is fallen. And then the third message, a warning against false worship. So these messages are unique. Um, well, not, not unique to the Adventist church, but the Adventist church is focusing in a unique way on these messages. And they have um, a critical part to play in the, in, in the mission of the church in getting the message of these angels um, across the world um, and certainly here across our conference. So just encourage you, if you haven't already, to have a look at the readings. The link is on the conference website or on our Facebook page. Uh, you can find it there. And both the adult readings and the children's readings are a great resource for worship at home and just sharing some time of Bible study um, together. The other thing I wanted to, to mention is um, with lockdown um, um, on the Central Coast, you've actually been in lockdown a lot longer than we have in the Newcastle region. Um, and no doubt it's taking its toll, the disruption to worship services, the disruption at school uh, with um, students and so forth. And just um, want to encourage you to, to look after yourself, take care of yourself. And one of the things that I find is really beneficial is just to interact with nature, whether it's a pet that you might have, whether it's um, animals, whether it's birds, whether it's um, plants or trees or getting out in nature, whatever it is. My wife and I have got our little veggie garden going in the backyard and I've got some plants coming through, which we're really excited about. And it, there's just something relaxing, something soothing and something peaceful about going out and just looking at the garden, seeing the plants as they grow. So even if you're in a unit, um, or don't have a lot of space, maybe uh, get, get some pots and plant a few um, plants, either some veggies or some flowers or something. And uh, I find that that's a really good way to, uh, to, to just lift our spirits um, and to connect with God um, through his second book, which is, uh, which is nature. All right, let's get into our study for today. Um, uh, Pastor Ian has mentioned that you're doing a series on the healing miracles of Jesus. And I just want to uh, beg your um, good grace um, and uh, your indulgence. And uh, we'll just um, stretch that a little bit, but we'll still be focusing on, um, um, on the character of Jesus. But I'd like to do it through a, perhaps a slightly different lens and look at a passage um, in the book of Revelation. As we know, Revelation, the book of Revelation, is a revelation about Jesus. Um, that's, um, uh, that's indicated right at the beginning um, of the book in Revelation chapter 1 uh, and verse 1. 
But uh, I'd like to invite you to, to open your Bibles or your devices um, and turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. And we'll read a couple of verses from verse 9. Revelation chapter 1, reading from verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Notice verse 10, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Now it's interesting that this loud voice was like the sound of a trumpet because we know from history and from scripture that trumpets are generally used when an, a significant announcement is being made or something important is happening. Now the trumpets referred to in the Bible are not like the trumpets we have today. It was generally a ram's horn. Um, it was the loudest um, instrument or, or um, device that they had back in those days. And it was um, generally, it, it was used in, in several different situations. Can you think about where else in scripture do we find an announcement being made where a trumpet is used to get people's attention? Just have a think for a moment. One that immediately comes to mind is the second coming. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16, where a trumpet will sound when Jesus comes back at the second coming. But there's another interesting example um, where a trumpet was used to make a special announcement. And we find that in Exodus chapter 19. I, and I invite you to turn with me back to Exodus chapter 19. And we'll notice a couple of verses here. Have a look at verse 16. Exodus chapter 19, verse 16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning. This is the, the children of Israel have gathered around Mount Sinai. Moses has gone up to the mountain. And this is what's recorded, that there were thunder, thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Man, you think about what happened there. Moses is up on the mountain. The people are down around the base of the mountain. And there's this smoke and thunderings and lightnings and then the sound of a trumpet. And it's, uh, it also comes through again in verse 19. Exodus chapter 19, verse 19. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long, sorry, loud and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. So when God gave the law on Mount Sinai, God used the sound of a trumpet to get people's attention. Something important was about to happen. And we see this um, in modern times as well. I remember back to, I think it was the Los Angeles Olympics and the opening ceremony. And I think it was 1984, if I remember correctly. Some of you will remember that I had a, they had a, a, a row of trumpet players with these long horn-like trumpets right around the top of the stadium, blasting out this sound because something important was about to happen. We also see examples of this at a royal wedding, for example, um, in the cathedrals, um, um, in St. Paul's Cathedral or wherever it may be in, um, uh, in England. 
um, they have again a row of trumpeteers as the bride or the bride-to-be walks down the aisle with, uh, with her father or um, um, other close relative. A trumpet is generally used to get people's attention, to make a significant and important announcement. Something important is about to take place. And here in Revelation chapter 1, we have this sound of the trumpet. Something important is about to take place. And then John in Revelation continues to give us one of the most beautiful and significant descriptions of Jesus that we find in the Bible. And that's recorded from verse 16 on. Uh, sorry, verse 12 on. Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. Notice it with me. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man. And here's the description. Clothed with a garment down to the feet. And girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Now there may be some children um, watching and if you're into drawing, here's, here's, uh, here's a little task for you uh, to maybe do either now during the rest of the sermon time together or perhaps later. But to draw a picture of what is described here by John as he's looking, um, as he's describing the Son of Man. Not an easy picture to, uh, to draw, but here's the thing. Is this a nice picture or is it a scary picture of Jesus? Let's go back and have a look. Verse 13. One like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet. Well, that's okay. So he's got some kind of robe on, girded about the chest with a golden band. That's okay. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. Well, that's okay, but the next little bit starts to get a little bit scary. His eyes like a flame of fire. What's that like? And how would you draw it? His eyes like a flame of fire. A person's eyes are very important. When we look at people, when we communicate with people, we look at their eyes generally. But that's a little bit scary, like eyes like flames of fire. And then the, the bit down in verse 16 is the next scary bit. He had in his hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength or in all its glory. Now, a sword coming out of his mouth, that's not, that's not a very nice picture. That's um, a bit of a scary picture. And then his countenance was glowing like the sun. I mean, we can't look at the sun. It's dangerous to look at the sun without any kind of protection or with any kind of guard on. And when you think about a sword, when would you carry a sword? 
you would carry a sword when you're wanting to protect yourself or when you're going into battle. And here John is giving us a glimpse into what comes later in the book of Revelation. The controversy, the battle between good and evil. And Jesus here carries a sword. This is no gentle Jesus, meek and mild here in Revelation chapter 1. The picture is, is of a dynamic, powerful warrior, ready to go to battle, ready to go into war. We need to remind ourselves that we worship a holy God. Let's never forget that. He wants to be our father, the one who runs and embraces us. But he is a holy God, one before whom we are compelled to take off our shoes, to bow down. The one we are hesitant to come near because there is fire and smoke. Let's notice John's reaction in Revelation chapter 1 verse 17. And we can understand his response. Notice what he says. And when I saw him, I fell down Sorry, I fell at his feet as dead. This picture of Jesus is almost overwhelming for John. The sword coming out of his mouth, his eyes as fiery, um, his eyes like, like, like flames of fire. He's almost overwhelmed and he just falls down prostrate. Have you had an experience like that? When you're thinking about God, when you're thinking about Jesus, when you're praying to him privately at home in your quiet time, when you think about God in heaven, when you think about Jesus sitting on his throne, have you had an experience like that where you have been overwhelmed when you think about the presence and the majesty and the holiness of God and Jesus, his son? When we think about the son, and John says that his countenance was shining like the sun. We can't even look at the sun and the sun is only one planet in our solar system with its billions of stars and planets that make up the, the, the Milky Way galaxy. And the Milky Way galaxy is only one of billions of galaxies that make up the known universe. No wonder there was smoke and fire and lightnings and thunderings when God came down on Mount Sinai. No wonder the mountain shook. No wonder John falls down as though he, has, he is dead when he considers and when he looks at the Son of Man. But there's another side. There's something else that we need to take into consideration. Yes, the Son of Man is portrayed as a powerful, dynamic warrior, ready for battle, prepared for conflict. And yes, we do need to treat him with the utmost respect. He is a holy God, but there's something else. Notice the second part of verse 17, Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. 
Notice the beautiful balance here, the beautiful comparison that we see. On the one hand, we are looking at a holy God, this warrior figure with eyes of flaming fire and a sword coming out of his mouth. But yet on the other hand, this being, this holy uh, being, the Son of Man, reaches out and touches John. As it says, um, he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. Now, if somebody is laying their right hand on you, where are they? They're right beside you. They're close to you. They've come near. They're not standing away off. They're not some distant being that is unapproachable. On the one hand, we have a holy God, the Son of Man. On the other hand, he is close because he reaches out and he touches John with his right hand and says, do not be afraid. We see this dual imagery coming through later in Revelation where John describes Jesus as both a lion and the lamb. Do we, do we need to treat God with the utmost respect? Do we need to treat Jesus with the utmost respect? Yes, we do. Do we need to be afraid of them? No, we don't. Because Jesus is wanting to draw near to us. There's something else that I'd like to draw your attention to briefly in this passage. And we read it earlier. Come back with me to verse 13 of John chapter one, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 13. Well, we'll, pick it, we'll go back to verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man. In the midst of the lampstands. What are the lampstands? John tells us in verse 20. The lampstands are the seven churches. He's the pastor. He's the district pastor. And he has concern for these churches that have been set up. And he sees this vision and he sees the angel holding the stars and these seven lampstands. But where is Jesus? Verse 13. Jesus is in the midst of the lampstands, right in the middle. We could use the analogy, but, you know, um, in, in Revelation chapter, chapter 1, John identifies the churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, and so forth. Jesus is in the midst of those churches. And let's use the application. Let's bring it down to our day. We have the Haven. We have Gosford. Uh, we have Forester's Beach. Uh, we have Blue Haven. We have the other churches on the central coast and coming up here towards Kurumbong, where we're recording today. Jesus is in the midst of the churches, the Son of Man. That's where he is. He's not isolated from them. He's not leaving them to their own devices to struggle along as best they, they can. And when we read in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, the description of the churches, it becomes very clear. These are not perfect churches. They don't have it all together. In fact, some of them have significant issues and difficulties and struggles that they have to work through. And God has to be fairly straight with them. 
But even, but despite that, Jesus is still in the midst of the churches. And he's in the midst of our churches here in this conference still today. We know that there's a lot of anxiety. We know that there's a lot of stress. We know that there's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know what the roadmap is coming out of this pandemic, what it will be like for the Sydney Basin, the Central Coast, the rest of um, our conference here in North New South Wales. We know that there's a lot of disruption. We know that churches haven't been able to meet and we really miss that face-to-face -face, um, interaction and worshipping and fellowshipping together and gathering together. We know that there's a lot of disruption with, um, in our schools and those of you who've got um, school-aged children in your family, um, having to, 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 to do the classes at home and, um, and all of the, uh, the stress and, and, the, uh, and the disruption that that causes while, you're at, while you as parents are, are trying to uh, run your own lives as well. We know that there is a lot of uncertainty. But here in this passage in Revelation chapter 1, we have these beautiful pictures that, or this beautiful picture of Jesus that John leaves with us. Yes, he is a warrior. Yes, in some, some aspects of the picture are scary. He's, he's prepared for battle. He's prepared for conflict. But he is also near to John. He reaches out with his right hand and he touches John. And I'd like to give you, I'd like to leave you with that picture that Jesus is right here beside us. He is right here beside you. He's close enough to be able to reach out his arm, reach out his hand and touch you on the shoulder and give you that assurance and give you that peace and give you that, um, uh, uh, that, that, that knowledge that he is right beside you and that he cares about you and that he loves you. And then John reinforces that thought with the fact that Jesus is right in the middle of the candlesticks, the lampstands. He's right there, right in the midst of the churches. As we continue on with our lives, as we go through the rest of the Sabbath and into the new week with all of the challenges that it brings, please take this thought with you that Jesus is standing right beside you now. He sees you, he understands the difficulties you're going through, and he wants to bring that comfort. He wants to bring that assurance um, that you are not in this alone. None of us are in this alone, that Jesus is right beside us. He is right in the middle of the churches. That's the promise of Revelation chapter one. Thank you for this opportunity of sharing this time of worship with you. Trust that um, you'll enjoy the rest of the Sabbath and take this assurance, this promise with you um, into the new week, whatever it may bring. God bless you.